guys, welcome to Minefield. My name is Joshua Michael. This is my best friend, Colin. What's up, I brother? Am, I am your best friend. You better be. Because if we don't, I'm going to take a bunch of pills and it's going to be your fault. Oh my. Check it, check oh. and see how, uh, check and see how your uh, stuff spikes on that. <laughs> no, ladies and gentlemen of the Minefields Collective, our good friend Colin here has just discovered the reason Reddit ex- exists. Oh man, Phil. don't. That's embarrassing. <laughs> I don't know why, like, I haven't played with, uh, I I saw one Reddit one time that I was very excited about, and it had more to do with, uh, it was in the Nice Guys thread, and I'm not going to go into any detail about it, because it's it's a very personal thing, Uh, it has a lot to do with a a scoundrel in my life who, uh, actually not even a scoundrel, a flagrant coward and a uh, a uh, a person with just a person who thinks they understand honor and has absolutely blown it um and uh yeah i i had a text message from somebody that i shared with this this just there's too much backstory here ultimately uh, there's a yeah re- this doesn't have anything to do with what we're talking about uh i encountered some very uh tasty visual imagery on reddit and was playing with it and joshua was very excited about it um the other thing well, is 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 like i say there's a lawsuit involved and some other crap and uh uh yeah with with, with honorless guy from yeah a minute ago. yeah and the funny thing is that like when uh when this when this text conversation got forwarded to be part of a legal situation they were like, yeah, there's nothing we can actually take from this. And, you know, the guy's name isn't printed and whatever. And I was like, okay, well, at least I tried. Well, after the lawsuit got settled, uh, one other member of this involved group took and put this crazy rant that this guy did in text message uh, and posted it to the nice guy's thread on Reddit. And like hundred, I don't know, like a hundred people are like, this guy's out of his mind. It was it was righteous indignation came through for us in the end. That's all I can really go into right now. Well, I'm gonna just go ahead and embarrass myself. I like Reddit for the filth. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot I of it like, out there. I, I look how very fucking specific it can get. For example, <laughs> when my big brother was alive, uh, him and I were in uh, large hanging breaths enthusi- enthusiasts, <laughs> and <laughs> and. Uh, we would always, anytime we we came across uh, some heavy hangers, we would send each other them. <laughs> like he he he'd be woo. like, uh, woo, yeah, no, we, uh, we we always wooed, but like he'd he'd be in, he'd be getting chemo, and I'd know it, and I mm-hmm. like the night beforehand, I would just like just like scavenge Reddit for like the nastiest, grossest, ugly boobs that were just hanging. <laughs> it just like when I knew he was like getting his chemo, I would just send him like as many as I can one day for his one day he was feeling really bad and I was like you know what I love you so much I'm gonna send you a hundred titties <laughs> and I did man I did and 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 then like there's uh trashy boners uh that's a good one uh WTF <laughs> WTF used to be awesome before uh Zuckerberg's wife got a hold of reddit and got rid of the 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 gore which that pissed me off mm. 
I mean, honestly, it was just pretty much nonstop. Like every day there was always one photo of like some poor Chinese person at a mall that decided to end it all. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, it was a, it was a consistent thing, like at a mall. Anyway, Mm. we're here to talk about comics. (laughs) Yeah, it's comics times. We're here to talk about comics. I got myself a little, uh, Cavassier. No, it's, it's a Gaio family Chardonnay. (laughs) Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's a, it's a little, little bottle. Mm-hmm. That's a good size. I mean, that's the beauty of it. I, I was just having a conversation with my good friend Leslie, who I used to live with years and years ago, and uh, she didn't know. We, we, we just, I just moved into the town she's in, and she was talking about wine, and uh, she was saying, um, oh, the Camaro just peeled out outside, that guy. Uh, oh, so, yeah, so the uh, she was saying that, you know, she opened a bottle of wine and she was like, man, you can't get decent wine in a box and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I don't know, maybe you can. But uh, having a little bottle like that, that's as much wine as you need unless you're going to share with people and then you have to open a bottle. So I totally dig. I love that. Mm. It's making me it's making me happy. Uh, how's your how's your week been, brother? Um, it's been interesting. You know, I started this new job, uh, uh, for people who are following along at home. I, I have a consistent job right now. You know, I work in the film industry and, um, some, some, uh, people I've worked with in the past asked me if I wanted to come over and work in a, uh, prop maker capacity. So I've been in the heat because we're in a warehouse and we've been uh, fashioning things out of foam and painting and uh, making things for trade shows and, uh, you know, and conventions and things like that. So we had the week off, though, after the holiday. Uh, I went to my hometown and went to the fireworks with uh, some friends of mine from high school and college. And then I, uh, I've been hitting the gym here in my new apartment complex and I burned myself at the swimming pool. Uh, Dude, you gotta watch out for that. I mean, I wear I wear sunscreen, and it is still not making any difference. You're so white. I'm I'm not though. Like you wouldn't. I know you're looking at me through Skype, but through uh, Skype, but yeah, I'm not. Uh, I'm not nearly as white right now as it would seem. The crazy thing is, that, like when you spray sunscreen on. You still have to wipe it in. The only places that I didn't get that burn were the places where I sprayed the sunscreen on my hand and then, like, rubbed it in on my shoulders and everywhere. But, like, the front of me it was really red for a little while. So I slathered on oil for a couple of days, and I'm, I'm right as rain at this point. So I've been enjoying the gym and the sun and the pool and doing stuff with my kid and everything. Okay. Cooking. I've enjoyed cooking. What are you doing? What did you do this week? Uh, well, for the fourth, I worked uh, like, but I got like triple overtime pay. Yeah. I got paid to sit on my ass all day, and the only people that were calling in uh, <laughs> for anything insurance wise, because the thing about Fourth of July is all the people that have their shit together were uh, out <laughs> partying. Right. Uh, to the Fourth of July was specifically like, yeah, I need some insurance and. I've been divorced three times, and I need to start twenty-two. I've got four DUIs. God damn it! <laughs> and and then dumbass nineteen-year-old kids in Detroit trying to buy like Dodge Hellcats that have no insurance history, <laughs> two DUIs, no college education, and it's like, dude, you ain't getting that fucking car. <laughs> but I got like a call an hour, so I got paid 
to sit on my ass. Uh, I, I think like, I think I probably was on the phone for maybe three hours that day. The rest of the time I just sat there and read comic books. That's a great and day, man. I got a was. brick of, uh, I got a brick of Quasar from the nineties that I would spend <laughs> doing right there. But, uh, Oh dude, I wrote this week too. Oh, hell yeah. You told oh me that. Gosh. Yeah, I uh, I think I've said something about this in one of our recent uh, recordings, but um, I didn't realize that you can take any Word document if you're a PC person and, you know, of course you can make a PDF out of it, but the, the PDF reader would just read your material out loud. So I, uh, I'm rewriting something that I wrote in 2002. It's a giant novel, and uh, I've... I've looked at it in the last couple of years and been like, man, I can't, this is just, this is going to need so much work, but I'm, I fell in, I just fallen in love with my characters all over again. And I'm like, I read, I listened to it read to me cause it's not audible. It's not an audible presentation, but the computer reads it and it gets most of my, uh, most of my, uh, lingo and stuff. The funny thing is that it kept talking. I kept, I write about the psionics. The aliens don't have any name, and uh, at least none that anybody, not until the end of the book when people start being able to re- realize what it is. And right. uh, it's funny because the, the reader doesn't understand the word psionics. So it kept saying, blah, 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 the Shenix. And I'm like, did I name the aliens the Shenix? That's not what I named them. That doesn't. So I eventually had to wait for it, and it just clicks through. Da, 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 da. Like you see it highlight the words, and it gets the psionics. And I was like, Oh, okay. That makes complete sense. It does. I don't understand why it doesn't understand that word, but, uh, you know, obviously it's finished right now. You're going through for a a third, a third read to just trim the fat. Oh, no, no, no. I'm, I'm, it's a total rewrite. Uh, it was like 800 pages when I wrote it in 2002. It was staggering. This was me not going out with people for a while. I took, uh, I I quit working at the library and I took, I don't know, I think it's eight months and I wrote and I got up at 10 in the morning or I got, I, cause people kept me up all night. I had roommates and I had a girlfriend and I, I would get up at 10 in the morning, boil a pot of coffee, have breakfast, watch modern marvels, check to see if something horrible had happened in the world on the news because it was right after September 11th. And then I uh, and I would write until about five o'clock and then I would. I drank a lot. I started I'd, I'd start drinking right then and try to come off of the caffeine high and the adrenaline from writing. My girlfriend would come over and I would watch the news every day. And that was my process. And uh, my and then I finally had to get a job. I was like, I was out of money. So I, I got a job at a call center for uh, Creative Labs, if anybody remembers them. for uh, They did uh, Sound Blaster sound cards and a lot of recording uh, hardware for PCs. And um, so I was doing tech support for about eight months, and I was like, I got to finish this book. So I took, a, I took extra days off preceding Thanksgiving holiday, and I finished the book. It was this watershed moment for me. And then I, t- I had some other PTO saved up, and I took some more time off bracketing Christmas and I did my first edit and I was like this is great and then I shelved it for like six months and I uh, came back to it and I was terribly embarrassed because I was uh, that's what I, what I, I remember Sh- Stephen King saying write your thing and then put it in a drawer for six months and then come back to it because by that point you've done other stuff and you've you've got a different mind so coming back and looking at it after six months I was horribly embarrassed I was like this is sophomoric it's 
just goes on and on. It's it's like getting in the car and driving and having no idea where you're going. Yeah. But then uh, I edited it again and again, and then I like burned it on mini discs. Do you remember <laughs> mini discs? I burned yeah. it onto mini discs, and I had a soundtrack for it of just like this would be really great if this like piece from Aliens would play over this scene, or this is this piece. So I had this soundtrack that went along with it, and I and I sent it out to a bunch of people. And uh, I tried finding uh, an agent and an editor, and I, I must have written like 30 people and set 30 different companies. And they were like, you know, they just didn't either didn't answer back or they were like, this is unsolicited, so we're not going to look at it and whatever. And so I, I got kind of shell shocked and burned. And, and then I moved out of town and I, I would play with it every now and again, but I got really good. Uh, notes back from a lot of people who were casual readers that were that were into the kind of content and they liked the characters and they liked the direction, but uh, it was just overly long and it didn't have an, any kind of appropriate formatting or formula. Uh, yeah. It did have a formula, you know, but in the I guess it just wasn't. It didn't have the flow, and um, so I I pulled it out. Um, at the end of 2017 and I start actually, I think in spring of 2017 and I started rewriting it and then I got a, another major movie job that ate up my life. And then I had a girlfriend for a year and I'm not blaming her. I could totally find time to take care of it, but now I'm single. I'm living in this place and I don't have a lot of distractions. So I was like, I'm going to take this week that I've got some time and all the time that I don't have my son or that I need to be somewhere else. I'm going to be bolted down. So I got at least another chapter written after refreshing myself with the characters and going after it. So I just want to plunge ahead with this. It's one of those things I want to wake up early and go to the gym or wake up early and do an hour's worth of work every day on this until I feel like it's fully done. We'll just see how much energy I've got. That's perfect. Joe yeah. Rogan does that. He he yeah. reserves he he doesn't get fucked up or get uh, or like have any fun until he's at least wrote, written for an hour. Even if he's standing yeah. staring at staring at it, and nothing happens. He still tried. Yeah, um, that's it right there. It's funny. Uh, you you're talking about your book. Josh just finished his book. Um, Which and, Josh? Oh, Josh rules. Oh, Josh, Josh rules. Okay. Yeah, yeah. What, what and, book? Uh, I gotta I gotta talk to him about that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I'm gonna actually forward it to you right now. Because uh, he wants Ooh. notes, he sent it to me this afternoon, and it's from what I can see. It's called it just it's called Beck, but okay, not to be confused with uh, with, with the, uh, performer Ted Ted, Ted Danson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. That's that's, that's Becker. <laughs> yeah. All right, let me send this shit. We are. I will receive it. I'm uploading my books right now too to uh, I like comicbookdb.com, the comic book database. But I had a really great conversation with the dude. Um, I was just trying to decompress the other day uh, after I dropped my son off from spending the whole day with him. Which you know I say decompress, but it just means go and you know fart around someplace for a minute before I go home. And I got into this really great conversation with this guy that was telling me about his Silver Age, Bronze Age collection, and I. Uh, uh, he was telling me about an app. Actually, oh, I need to find... I'd have to walk away from the computer to figure it out, but I use Comic Book DB to keep track of everything, but he had an app that uh, that uh, you can scan the barcode on it and it uploads it right away. Uh, are you familiar with that? You no, but that... You can scan the barcode on the comic and it uploads it right away and tells you all the, the entire credits and stuff that, like that. Uh, how much is that app? 
It might be like three bucks or three ninety nine. Let me. I'm gonna walk away. Grab my phone over here. So uh, right. sorry to do that to everybody. It just kind of right. came up. Flow of flow of conversation. No, I'll, I'll just I'll just keep talking because I really that sort of thing would be extremely helpful because I've got thousands and thousands of comic books and I really need to get them organized and to be able to prove to because I just got like in my renter's insurance and I brought in a side policy to make sure if anything happened to them. Uh, I, I'd be reimbursed, but at the same time, how much of these like thousands of comics would really actually be worth insuring? Because like, oh, who's yeah. gonna give a who's gonna give a fuck about a, like a four issue series called Witch Doctor? I did from Image, but like, it's a complete set. It's one of those things like it's like whoever wants it wants it, and uh, you know, just just trying to think of oh, that. Oh, hey, what's of, up? Hmm? There's a there's a there's a human behind you. Yes, that's my that's my girlfriend Annie. <laughs> Hi. Hey, what's up? Yeah. She's going to plug in and listen to us. Right on. Yeah, Ooh. the app is called CLZ Comics, and it is a mobile app for iOS and Android. Uh, it says it automatically downloads all the issue details and some images, creator, character lists, cover art, uh, scan barcodes, and well, uh, you can install Will it let them. you organize easily, like scan the barcode, and you can just click name? I have not played with it yet, so I don't know the answer to that. But uh, this guy suggested it, and hey, no one's paying us, uh, so I'm going to yeah. say whatever I may. He said it ch- changed his whole life, which is good. He said he had about 4,000 comics, and I'm like, I'm probably carrying about that much. Um, yeah, me too. But uh, he was talking about it like um, uh, he was having issues trying to upload everything. Uh, I'm seeing... You know, if you just go to collectorz.com, I'm seeing that it runs for about $14.95. Um, so that could be something. But they also have a bundle where you can do CLZ movies and books and games and music. And that's oh. $40. And that's kind of rad because you get that bundle. You could really figure out what you have. In Yeah, that's the one. Are you seeing one that's free or is it? Uh, no, I okay. have this. In fact, I ha- it's funny you said that because before you called and I was trying to find my uh, Reddit app on my on my phone, I saw CLZ Comics. I'm like, what the hell was that for again? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I remember it needs like $14 or something like that. Yeah, no, I think it's honestly, uh, you know, this month is probably not the month for me to try this, but I'm not going to say that it is not. That's a lot of double negative or triple negative. I'm not going to say that it isn't worth it to try this because anytime you've got something on your phone that tells you that you don't want to, that you're not going to duplicate a purchase somewhere or it maybe tells you your want list, that's a great thing because for a long time I was trying to find like a, uh, what was it, the first appearance of Groot. And it's you go someplace, you're like, cool, this is a great place. What am I looking for? Oh, Captain yeah. Marvel number nine from, you know, the, like the Don Heck or whatever. It's just like, mm-hmm. why? These things are worth having, folks. I think it's totally worth it, especially if you're buying anything uh, in back issues. But yeah, I have, I can, I have gone on and on, haven't I? I can never remember what comics I want to go, want to get or are on my list the second I go into a big comic book store afterwards, if I'm not thinking, if I'm not worried about it, then it's like, Oh, I wanted that one, that one, that one. But when I walk into like mile high, I'm like, Oh shit, what did I want again? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. What do we got? What do we got? What are we going to talk about this all right, week? All what, right, what we, all right. we have got uh, a nice little bunch here. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of sad. The walking dead is over. Not because I'm sad that the walking dead is over, but because that officially means the end to our like, 
one of our only gimmick seg- segments, The Walking Dead. <laughs> The Walking Dead minute. <laughs> the Walking Dead minute. This was a, a a big beefy issue, so I might have to do the Walking Dead minute in fifteen seconds. <laughs> I'm frankly afraid to pick it up. I mean, I'm, I'm I, like I I know. Oh gosh, I feel like a, a a heel not having read anything, but it just it. Honestly, I was afraid for a long time. Like I sold my Walking Dead, and then I I haven't read any of the new issues since I did that. And so I'm probably 50 issues behind or something. And uh, I'm afraid I'm going to feel like I made a major mistake. But, it, you know, hey, what at this you're, point? You're, you're not. You're not. Uh, and then, right, so we got Walking yeah. Dead 193. The Crow yeah. and the Crow teams up with Hackslash number one. Savage <laughs> Avengers number three, which is so fucking great. Really? Uh, yeah, Superman oh, that's Year got One. Conan in it. Okay. Yeah, it's got it's got Conan in it. Uh-huh. And you know, you know how much I love the Conan. And Superman Conan Year right. One number one, Savage Sword of Conan number six, Uncanny X-Men number twenty-one, Sea of Stars number one, Daredevil number seven, Star Wars number sixty-seven, Thanos number three, Star Trek Year Three number Year Five number three, and Fight Club Three yeah. number six. God damn, that's a lot of fucking comic books. Yeah, we're gonna have to uh rein it in a bit. Yeah, oh, don't worry. There's there's a there's a few like that I'm just gonna say like maybe one sentence about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, uh, you wanna you wanna just kick it in and uh, talk about the Walking Dead number one one ninety three. Oh, dude, I haven't read it. Um, I, spoilers. Uh, yeah, no, let's hit it. Yeah, tell me about your spoilers. All right, give me the Walking Dead minute and thirty second timer. Oh Hold yeah, on. I'm glad I brought the phone over. I'm the guy, I'm the timekeeper on this. Yeah, let me let me pull it up and see how well I can do this. Let's see. Uh, one minute and what did you say? Thirty seconds. One minute and thirty seconds. Okay, you ready? I'm ready when you're ready. I'm ready. Okay, prepare to. I've. <laughs> I was like, I was gonna. <laughs> Three, you know two, one, engage. All right. So uh, Rick died last issue. It's like thirty years later, maybe twenty-five. Carl and uh, his homegirl are now married. They've got a little girl named uh, Andrea, and what's going on is that a walker came into his yard. He kills it. Turns out to be the property of that little shithead that is the son of uh, Glenn um, uh, oh, Herschel. He has a little sideshow, and the cops are mad because it was actually considered valuable property because the walkers can't even get close to them anymore. The time of when the walkers started was now called uh, the trials, and now it's officially pretty much over. And uh, – <laughs> God, I forgot his Carl has to reimburse him for a zombie and he says fuck that and then kills all the rest of his zombies and goes out and drops some shit off. We see Negan is uh, living alone. They catch up with a few different people. We see that Eugene is almost done uniting the railroad from East Coast to West Coast and comes back home. He gets put on trial for the destruction of the property. The the judge is Michonne, and she's no longer goes by Michonne. And but she obviously acquits him, and <laughs> they, they get a fair trial. But he's like, yeah, there's no fucking way I was going to let this happen. We have to remember that we need to live, and the dead should not be reminding us of, of those awful times because I don't want my kid to ever experience that sort of thing. He gets acquitted. She says, you think I really uh, convict anyone? That one of my favorite people in the world. He goes home. He reads a book to his daughter about the life of Rick Grimes that everyone worships, and there's a huge statue everywhere. And then she says, read it again, and it's over. Oh, you did it. <laughs> yeah, that's sad, honestly. I, I, I always hoped that 
on that and that is about what I projected for how the story would end that at any point they could flash forward to however many years and uh yeah. it would be uh it would be Carl like leading the circumstances and that's kind of got a postman feel. Did you ever do you remember the postman movie? Dude, you're Kevin in your Costner? Kevin Costner movies, man. I can't do it. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, it's it's just one of those things like at the end of it, you've got the kid from the montage in the middle of the movie where he's actually being a postman and he comes and he picks up the the letter from the little the little kid. You know, he rides by and just grabs it. And then at the end of the movie, there's a statue of that. And the little boy is like, that little boy is me. It's touching and it's awesome and terrible at the same time because it's so obvious. But um that's you know you need that for that kind of closure after a huge event. Did who did he marry? Who did Carl marry? Uh, okay, he was didn't it? marry the he, he didn't marry the chick he lost his virginity to. Uh, what was her name? Regina? No, uh, God, uh, I can't remember. Uh, I did he marry Sophia? He married Sophia. Kind of awesome. Kind of. Yeah, he, he married. He, yeah. yeah, he's married to Sophia, and then when he goes on that trek, he's with the chick that the chick that they 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 uh, rescued from the whispers is goes on that trek with him uh to d- deliver supplies and that's when they touch on everyone else and but mm. uh, the the real closure isn't in the story the real closure is in the eight pages that robert kirkman wrote as a goodbye letter awesome and yeah and when he says like yeah it's over we surprised you with it and i felt like it was my duty to surprise you with it because what all my actual surprises like when someone died it was actually a legit surprise you didn't like it, it would come out of nowhere, and I figured the ending should should do the same thing. Mm-hmm. And um, he realized, like back in like I think he said like in 2014 or something like that, that he didn't have a lot of story left. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I recall that. Yeah, didn't have a lot of story left, and he talked with Adler about it, and they just sprung it on everyone. And he 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 has fun with surprises, like when that Die 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 comic came out last year, when mm-hmm. all of a sudden just there's a new Robert Kirkman number one, and everyone just had to get all the different variants and. I, I bought two, but that was, it was a, it was crap. But you know, you bought, you got those, and and uh, I, you were telling me about Die, and then I went to uh, I think Mammoth Comics in Tulsa, and I picked up Die, 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 thinking that's what it was, and not realizing yeah. the circumstances. Was, All right, yeah. well, yeah. So that was a mistake. All right, and let me like, burn through the easy ones real quick. The Crow mm-hmm. and Hack Slash number one. Uh, what a okay. <laughs> Oh, by the way, um, I broke my cardinal rule. Uh, Walking Dead number 193, uh, writer Robert Kirkman, Charlie Adler, penciler, inker cover, Cliff Rathburn, Gray Tones, Russ Wooten, Wooten letterer, mm. Dave Stewart, did cover cover colors. <coughs> Excuse me. And, uh, yeah, let's fast forward to this steaming pile of fucking, like, uh, do the rock here, like, you're four pounds of monkey shit stuffed into a two-pound bag. That, <laughs> that's that's this fucking uh, comic book. Number one by IDW, um, script and layouts by Tim Seeley, which surprised me that Tim Seeley would write such a... I mean, it, um, I, I would say that it was a labor of love, but where's if you loved it so much, why didn't you make it better? This, was, this wasn't even something fun that you'd pick up on the newsstands in the 70s as a kid that kind of likes horror comics and wants something fun and, and out there. No, it was just uh, Hackslash. She is uh, – uh, sorry. Script and layouts by Tim Seeley, artist Jim Terry, letterers, letterers uh, Neil Utake, and assistant editor Megan Brown, editor David Hedgecock. Hmm. Anyway, the artwork was decent. 
it, it wasn't bad, but it was a lot of bigger pages, a lot of bigger panels. Uh, Hackslash, she it basically teamed with this big giant guy, and they killed serial killers. Mm. Like her, mo- her mom ended up being like a the, the, the main serial killer she had to kill in like the first main storyline, which is really good. Hackslash is always used to always be consistently good, um, as well as some of the Crow comics uh, have been pretty good. But this, she uh, is on the case for there's someone killing all these people and taking their eyeballs out, and the cops are hiding the. Banksy ripoff artwork that appears at all the uh, all the murder scenes, and they're not disclosing that key bit of evidence. And there's some chick trying to kill this homeless girl. I mean, like, I just didn't care. <laughs> I, didn't, I, I just didn't care. She she can heal like the crow, but she's got a different black and white color scheme, and she's got Cassandra on the top of this uh, uh, church steeple, and she's hanging about to fall, and you know. The girl heals from a bullet wound to the head, and Sandra's hanging there. And then, right when she's about to fall, uh, a crow comes and picks her up, and that was that was it. Uh, yeah, I would give it a solid one. All right, no, no, no I'd, I'd, give it a, I'd give it a solid two because it it didn't visually piss me off. Um, let's see, we got it's that. Not the same artist as usual, is it? Uh, for for Hackslash, no. Yeah. No. no I'm there's, scrolling there's... through bunches of images from various different Hackslashes, and I'm way more entertained by all of the Hackslash cosplay I see out there. Uh, sea of Stars, number one. Uh, Image Comics, Jason Aaron uh, and Dennis Hallam write it. Uh, artist Stephen Green works on it. Rico Renzi, colorist, uh, Jared Fletcher, letters and design, Will Dennis, editor, Mike Mignola, variant cover. Oh, um, no kidding. This one is really pretty. It's it's set in space. The, the, the spaceship has sails, and this, uh, this gentleman is taking – he's got a load of relics from a planet that had a lot of uh, lost relics. <laughs> and uh, the planet is now kind of done, and he's, he's he salvaged it, and he's going to like go sell it. And on the way there, what happens is they encounter a giant monster that destroys the ship and they get sucked into space and land in kind of like this kind of a bubble of like a not really a planet, but it's more of like a, a big a random assortment of comets where they meet some colorful creatures and they like the little boy and he's hungry and then the dad is trying to – it's basically they're marooned somewhere and the dad is on the other side of where they are and he's got to fight his way to go find his son. What's just, it called? It's called uh, Sea of Stars, number one. Interesting. It, it was interesting. It wasn't my favorite but that doesn't mean it was bad. It, all I'm saying is is that it just wasn't my cup – it was, just wasn't my sci-fi cup of tea. Yeah. Uh, I would, what, I'd, give it, I'd give it a three, maybe a three and a half. What do you what – you, what, what is your sci-fi cup of tea? Like the Matrix or – uh, uh, terrestrial sci-fi, sci- uh, sci- well done cyberpunk, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But that's not like my favorite thing. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite thing is especially like the the Lone Wolf, like Ripley, like Ripley, uh, or um, or even like uh, the the random Gonzo stuff, like Space Above and Beyond, or or the supernatural stuff like uh, Millennium. Yeah. I know you didn't. Yeah, I know you didn't like Millennium. I, I I was always peeved with it because i loved space above and beyond and it was taking that time slot and i was like they kept saying uh well you, it's just so good you know you can't have two shows that are that good the x-files and space above and beyond and i was like so you're replacing it with a show that's not as good 
Their, their yeah. reasoning was very off-putting back then. Oh, it, the, the reasoning was this is also done by Chris Carter, and mm-hmm. we that's 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 all I could think of why they would do that. They and wanted I do need the ratings, to, yeah. They wanted the ratings, but I do need to differentiate. When I say supernatural stuff, I mean uh, genre-wise, not the specific show Supernatural. That show was that show was uh, Kmart quality sci-fi. <laughs> and it, it, it was for it was for people that are really into things like. Um, Things like um, I, I, can, I can imagine people that are really into Twilight. Oh, things like um, oh yeah, we're gonna go out and kill serial killers. Yeah, and and then they 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 add like my mom, it was funny mom the other day. She's like she watches Supernatural like every morning. It's mm-hmm. one of her favorite shows, and she's like, it's funny. All, a, a, a lot of the symbols that these guys write on things are on your T-shirts. <laughs> and I was like. <laughs> And I was like, oh, yeah, my Blackcraft cult. And she's like, what's that one mean, the one I was specifically wearing on the shoulder? And I was like, oh, this is this is Satan's sigil. And she was like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, no, this is the specific sigil for Satan. And she was just like, all right, all right. Anyway, is that where uh, it's the pentagram? It's upside down, but it's got the, the soft loops, the rounded loops on the top? Or is no, it the – No, no, this one is uh, more uh, inverted triangles. You, you'll, you'd have to oh, – okay. I'll, I'll have to find it for you, like – Things are missing out of it. It, it looks really cool, but mm-hmm. I mean, I, I wear a lot of Blackcraft Cold shirt. I've been wearing it since 2012, but because I'm OG that way. But whatever. I mean, it's, it, eventually it's going to turn into the affliction for lame aging oh, goths, lame aging goths <laughs> like me. But that's 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 I'm going to enjoy it while, while it lasts. I remember <laughs> doing yeah. One of the Star Trek episodes was called Affliction. It was an Enterprise episode. And then we put stuff online saying, you know, Star Trek, Enterprise, Affliction in uh, quotes. And then the Affliction company got pissed at us and <laughs> shot us down. And we and then eBay was like, oh, OK, so they're selling your product. And they they pulled it. I was like, no, 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 this doesn't have anything to do with that. Other people can use that word. This is yeah. ridiculous. It's so, like, uh, like Gene Simmons trying to like copyright the word asshole. Oh, did he try to do that? Yep. That's idiotic. That's oh, unbelievable. He can, can make five cents every time someone says asshole. Gene Simmons is going to fucking do it. I mean, like, I know he's a solid kick-ass rock star, but he's, he's still got that greedy Jew in him. <laughs> there is that. There is that. <laughs> No, no, I didn't know Jews could make this kind of music. See, that's the thing. They couldn't. <laughs> Go back You're and watch Role Semitic. Models. One of the best movies ever about Kiss. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Oh, no, yeah. I really no, adore that movie. Uh, uh, no, the movie about Kiss is Detroit Rock City, hands down. <laughs> oh, man. For real. Yeah. Like, Edward Furlong. Thank you, sir. They all get, get laid. Cleaned up, they buddy. Get, get cleaned they up, buddy. Get cleaned up. Yeah, I know, right? We're gonna we're actually gonna see him in uh, August at the Colorado Springs uh, Comic Con. I think that's what we mentioned it a couple oh, weeks yeah. ago. One thousand, uh, John Connor and the Terminatrix is gonna be there, and probably some other lame person from one of the Terminator movies. But uh, I'm I'm excited as fuck to uh, meet Richard Patrick, not Richard Patrick, Robert uh, Patrick, Robert Patrick, uh, dude. Little known- that was on in the gym today. Like <laughs> I was like pumping iron. And running or uh, doing the stationary bike and like Terminator Two all 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 morning. A lot of people don't know this, but Robert Patrick's little brother is Richard Patrick, original guitarist for Nine Inch Nails, uh, oh. stage stage guitarist, and then left after like a big falling out and formed Filter. Like, hey man, I shot. Oh, dose. no kidding. 
Yeah, that's his little brother, uh, Richie. And they're like super close. Like I believe, if I'm not mistaken, in some of the uh, uh, behind-the-scenes photos of T2, Robert Patrick is wearing a Nine Inch Nail shirt. Oh, rad. Okay. Let me check this out. Oh, no, I'm looking at him. He does look like Robert, vaguely, yep. and he does not have Robert Patrick's wacky-looking ears. So that's a but good he, thing. He's got the chin, though. Yeah. All right, what do you got next? What do you got? What do you got? What do you got? Oh, let's see. What do I have that's most? Let's 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 do Fight Club three number six while we've got while we're uh, talking about edgy Things stuff. <laughs> um, this thing, I there there I can't remember what issue it was that I liked so much in Fight Club three, but like this one didn't do it for I, me or you. I think correct. Yeah, this one, this one, this one kind of chapped me, but I wasn't. I got it. I got to admit, and uh, guys, as readers and as writers, I hope you can uh, know yourself well enough that did I not like this because I didn't get it? I I wonder the same thing, but what it re- I mean, um, it's okay for us not to get it if we can get it by the end, and. I was concerned. You said this was a six-part book, but it still says it's to be continued. So, uh, yeah, there's a new issue on sale July 31st. I, you know, I don't I, – we, we all – like people watched Lost. People struggled to find deeper meetings in uh, whatever J.J. Abrams' next show was. Was it the – oh, man, I don't – I can't remember what it was. But uh, – you know, everybody racks their brains trying to figure out these things and look for Easter eggs and little hints and stuff like that. And we're doing that with this book because the only thing that's consistent is that you've got the calendar at one point or another, and there's no hints. There's nothing there. You only get as much as they give you in this. And, um, I mean, what do we have that really happened in here? The it kid was character, seriously abstract. Yeah. Abstract. The kid character that's not, we don't know if this is the child of uh, Tyler and Marla or Sebastian yeah, was and Marla it? as it was. was we, it? Don't, that's, we don't know. He doesn't have the same hair or if it's the same kid and he's older or what. Um, he's inside the painting now and he's got that revolver that he took off of somebody. And uh, it don't work. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, I mean, well, he shot that guy, but it didn't make any difference because the bullet went th- straight through his head. Uh, and then the the other dude that was outside of the painting, they both get captured, but the other guy takes the opportunity to show the fact that he's got a tattoo for the Rise and Die Corporation. Right. And uh, it keeps talking about epistasis. It keeps bringing it up. And I'm like, okay, so clearly, since you're not going to explain what it is, we have to do a Google search. And... Uh, Additionally, you're supposed to do a search anyways because there's a moment where Tyler is arm wrestling with Napoleon and the question is, what do all of these places have to do with one another? They're all art museums. Tyler says they all began as dump sites for uh, art that was looted by Napoleon, which ultimately, that's the first thing that any European dictator seems to want to do. If you're going to try to take over Europe, rip off the art, and put it away. I mean, the Nazis took everybody's gold. They took uh, all of their treasure and they found their way into affluent Nazi homes or, you know, you use it for what you, you, I don't know, utilize it however they wanted to. I get it, but that still doesn't 
make much of a difference in this book because it seems like the Rise and Die Rise or Die Corporation is basically utilizing one of the uh, the one of the paintings as a portal to destroy all of these other time periods or something like that. But I might be reading into it too much. I mean, it's what it's depicting, it doesn't make any sense. As long as it makes sense in the end, I'll take it. But it's I, got a lot of track. It's got to have a lot more traction to get us there. I don't understand why Tyler would be bothering with a failure like Napoleon in the first place. Someone that had such, you know, there's a word for it, Napoleonic complex. <laughs> like, why would he fuck around with someone so uh, abhorredly, like, down to his core, weak, even though he was he was able to conquer quite a lot? I, I never respected Napoleon as a as a general or, or warmonger at all, and. At the same time, they show all the other the other like Hitler's chained in the concentration camp, and it it the anytime I see Hitler <coughs> in 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 some sort of like pop culture reference, it, it after I was uh, I was watching or reading something about the Simpsons about how Matt Grinning would always frown upon ever referencing Hitler unless yeah. it was just drop down knock down drag out funny, which in which they every time you saw Hitler it was great like when uh. Uh, Hitler, uh, like Mr. Burns's bear Bobo, was taken across seas by uh, what's his name, the uh, Lindbergh, and throws the bear and in, in, into the crowd, and Hitler grabs it, and and then like five years later, Hitler's in the bunker, and the place is getting destroyed. He's like yelling at the bear that it's his fault, and uh, <laughs> uh, like okay, that was funny, but uh, but it it is Hitler's a little too easy. Polonic, I, I I gotta say he's. Losing my trust in this one so far. Hmm, all right. He's losing my trust. And again, I still have to you know, question myself. Is it because I don't get it or I don't know where it's going? I don't or, think there's as much that you can get when there's – this This was like the silent issue. There was yeah. hardly any dialogue. And, you know, I mean um, – by the way, I'm talking about the G.I. Joe silent issue. What was it? Number 21 way back in like 1982 or thereabouts. And uh, – at least you had a consistent through line there. But there's characters in this that we don't know who they are or how they relate to anything else. And then there are situations that, like nothing, I don't care what the last couple of issues have been leading up to, right. nothing about what you can read in issue six pertains so far to anything else that's going on. It's like right. reading two completely different stories. There's whatever is going on with Tyler, Sebastian, their unnamed son, and uh, Marla. And then there's whatever's going on with all of these no-name characters in this painting. And they, when are they going to coincide, you know? Mm -hmm. No, mm -hmm. I, I agree. Uh, yeah, you're right. We should probably cool it on really judging anything yet because we haven't got the the last bit. But mm -hmm. we're, we're single readers. I mean, the... We're elite assholes, but we, we can be. But <laughs> we like having the, the the you know you know we want to be elite. And <laughs> be elite. You want to be all in. Yeah. You know you minefields. Read, read double or nothing. Yeah. Minefields is all, is all elite. elite. I like the gym. <laughs> I went through and I clicked through all those while we were uh, interviewing last night, and uh, I really like the one that for for uh, for uh, Jim Ross. <laughs> I was like Jim Ross is all elite. <laughs> The the Tamina is all elite, and it's just that burning dumpster fire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, yeah. Yeah, man. Anyway, anyway, let's, let's uh, progress. Let's I'm, progress. I'm, I'm done. Done with that one. Uh, Thanos number three. 
Oh, this was this was a juicy, juicy, juicy one. Honestly, yeah, this was. Uh, we we're starting to see Gamora uh, mold herself into what we know uh, her to be, and it's kind of. An, I didn't think she was going to lose all these limbs. Spoilers abound, um, but uh, yeah, she goes in like, oh, we're going to go and we're going to kill Sakarans for some reason, and uh, she is. Uh, She's knifing them and stuff like that. You know, she's cut. She's she's planning to try to try to save the ones that she releases from their cocoons, but they attack her. So she ends up getting really injured and losing a leg, and then later she loses an arm. And you know, it's it's really like it's honestly, this story does need to be told for some reason. Absolutely. Why does Thanos have a relationship with Gamora, and where how does so it start? And how does it develop? I don't know. What do you think? No, that's a that's an excellent point. I never I, I've been enjoying it thoroughly since it started. Well, anytime, a th- dude, has there honestly been been a bad like individual Thanos issue ever? I'm really not, not the, sure that there has. You know? I, I've never ever read a bad one. I mean, like, I mean, anytime like the the it always uh, pushes the new artist that's doing it. I remember when uh, Simone uh, Bianchi was mm-hmm. doing uh, Thanos when he was uh, learning uh, when he first met Death as a child and when he was still like a oh nice God. kid. Yeah, that, 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 that was that, incredible. They referenced now, that in this too. Yeah, they they did. Um, it, that's a good point. Like this this story does need to be told, especially why Gamora would even give a shit about him and and really emphasize to all the moviegoers and the people that are just now getting into into Guardians of the Galaxy and Gamora and and learning about her. And uh, remember remember back in the day she was a D lister, if, if that. And, oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah, and and now she's full on A lister and. Why? Why would they care? Why? Sh- why would we care about that? Why would we care about her loving Thanos? Uh, maybe you know when when she was losing limb after limb and not giving a shit and going through the painful process of the amputation, uh, was this her winning him over that she's a warrior and will stop at nothing to to do these things even though she's still a child and making mistakes? Or I don't think she's that calculating because she's what is she? How old is she? Nine? Six. Yeah, yeah like, what she yeah. she's just dealing with the circumstances, and it's kind of interesting to me that she wasn't in a total breakdown over losing a limb. You know, uh, is that just something about her species that they? It, it, you know, it's oh yeah, we can part with things or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but like in the end, the very the reasonable amount of uh, like voiceover narration or expository we get. In uh, in the little bo- in the little word boxes from uh, Gamora, I get the impression that um, that uh, she's just doing what she has to do to get by, and emotional connection is going to come one way or the other. Because I, it's not like a Stockholm syndrome or anything, but it's just something no. that's going to develop wh- whether you want it to or not. Agreed. And mm. what do you think's gonna What do you think's gonna happen? Because something's gonna happen to her. Uh, happened between her and Maw on this one. Oh uh, yeah, it's yeah. really impressive to see Ebony Maw being this much of a calculating deceiver. But he might be doing all of this to to get rid of everybody else. So because you know, if you haven't been reading this, everybody, I mean, they're on the, the uh, space station slash starship. That, Junker. Yeah, it's it's a real mess. Uh, and um, 
uh, he's got his, Thanos has his crew of pirates, and they're all a bunch of real scumbags, and they're all murderers. They're awful, awful people. And um, there's a lot of conniving going along, going on. They don't really trust Thanos, but they think that, you know, he's the alpha that's going to kill them. And, you know, hey, they're there, and they're obviously meeting a lot of success, and they're pillaging all of these places and for Thanos' ultimate goal, which they don't know, but it doesn't matter to them. But no, they wonder, no. and um, they're you know at at the end of this, we're, we're you know at the end of this little run here, at least by issue number four, we're gonna have these guys in uh, come to blows over, you know, hey, they they steal, they kidnap Gamora because they think that it will get them paid, and I think that Thanos will kill everybody, but I'm you know Ebony Maw clearly is gonna survive or. And so will the Blood Brothers, for that matter, because yeah. they have to be there. Uh, this story clearly takes place before the first appearance of Thanos in Marvel Comics, way back in like the early issues of Iron Man, of all things. And um, the Blood Brothers, for that matter. And it, it just adds up to some of these guys are going to... They're, they're not going to skate. They're going to blame each other, and then it's going to be uh, all over for others. And... I think that's the direction it's going. Uh, it, that's basically it, it. At least there's no secrets in this space station. There's Thanos yeah. isn't going to mm. lie to you. you. You know, you know, you need to sleep with one eye open here, mm-hmm. and and you know, back to the wall, know where all the exits are, and not to trust anyone. But at least they can still have fun and play poker. They don't seem to. Yeah. They don't seem to care. They're getting what they want. They know what happens to people. Obviously. This is the type of people that know what happens to people like themselves. Yeah. So when it, it when it happens, they're not the ones that are on their knees begging for their lives. Well, this it's happening. <laughs> and I, yeah. I, I thoroughly enjoy this. This it, it they're not a ragtag group of pirates. These guys are, like you said, full on bloodthirsty, murderous pirates. And mm-hmm. and it, it's so great that we're getting this sort of content within the pages of Marvel when seriously, if this was made into a movie, this would be a hard fucking R. But yeah, we'd like to think so, but there's no, I mean, they don't show enough of anything that would make it, but the subject matter alone. Yeah, it's pretty gory. And it's also, uh, I, I guess the only weak point I'm coming up with, with the entire book is the art and the art is not bad. I just want, I just want it to be more atmospheric and, uh, the choice of color palette all over the place is a little bit, um, it, it just doesn't, uh, it doesn't convey the the danger and the darkness of what's going on in the in the story um it's just a little bit too poppy and uh that's my only bitch about it nonetheless it works what are the credits yeah let me get there uh we got uh tinny howard is the writer and good job on that uh ariel olivetti is the artist uh, Antonio Fabela is the color artist, and VC is Joe Carmagna is the letterer. But, we got to uh, talk to that guy. We, we got to talk to that guy on the phone, man. <laughs> um, Jeff DeCall is the cover artist, and it is superior. I'm going to say that's – do you think that's um, computer? Absolutely. Yeah, the digital work. It is – it's very nice. It's really nice. Uh and I can see your bitch about the art. It's 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 phenomenal art. It's not bad. It's, just it's not great. Moody enough. That's my problem. Moody it needs to be moodier. That's all. I mean, especially after we've been spoiled by Simone Bianchi and uh-huh. and like that and then the, to that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 
What, what do you got next, brother? I'm going to stay in Marvel, as if everything isn't Marvel now. But, uh, yeah, I, I Daredevil number seven, Chip Zdarsky, just still maintaining a really good hand on the reins here. Uh, Laniel Francis, you, and Sonny Go are the... Uh, the uh, variant cover artists. Uh, and Clayton Cowles from VC oh, is the letterer. Um, this, man, I'll tell you this. Okay, so this is part two of the of the uh, No Devils, Only God um, <clears throat> story within the book here. And we've got, we're still carrying on with the business of the, the cop from Chicago who got tra- totally beat up in the last issue. And... Um, there isn't that much going on with him. He's just in the hospital. But the kingpin called together a meeting of the the bosses or the the maid guys in yeah. New York, and they have this meeting in a uh, in a a bank vault. Maid guys, I love it. The maid guys, <laughs> the guys, the, the untouchable guys, yeah. and uh, they're all worried that the that Daredevil's back because somebody you know the newspapers are saying that saying that he's back. And uh, he's like, no, I don't feel it. This isn't the real Daredevil. He thinks Daredevil is authentically dead. And uh, unless he's, this is all a ploy to draw him out, which I don't see why not. But Matt Murdock is currently a probation officer. And he is, and this is just such a fantastic direction. Most stories are just going to stick with the same themes over and over again because you go to... You know, you, you you go to Nightcrawler and you want it to be a Nightcrawler story. You, you want Daredevil, Absolutely. you want a Daredevil story. This is Daredevil without Daredevil because Matt Murdock is as important as Daredevil and it freaking works. And, um, you know, I mean, they, they've got callbacks to little things that happened in the last couple of issues, but they don't linger on them. And then, uh, however, the uh, recurring circumstances of the previous six-issue story arc was that Daredevil had authentically, accidentally killed a guy in a, who was uh, coming away from a robbery, and it probably had a lot to do with Daredevil not being on his A game, or maybe even his C game. He was in pretty poor shape through the all six issues, and uh, he encounters a guy that's uh, on parole whose brother was the guy that got killed, and it really wrecks Matt, and he ends up going to... Uh, he ends up going to the church and talking to a nun, and I could not believe how much authentic Catholic, I'm sorry, ca- how much authentic Catholicism was getting poured out over these pages. Uh, this this book talked about God, about Christ, about saving a lot of things. And then, um, of course, the kingpin has decided, I'm out. Keep the crime to a decent level. Uh, you don't have to kick back to me anymore. I'm the mayor. The city is mine. The undercity is yours. That's the agreement we really? have to live by. I am no longer the kingpin. You guys can run this because so I'm legit. A, There's no reason for me to do this anymore. So we've got a power vacuum about to happen. Yeah, I, I'd like to see this. This 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 is a great issue. Only not only because it pertains to what's been going on. It propels the story. The sins of the past aren't going away. It launches the idea that the Kingpin could be doing something completely mischievous to draw out Daredevil, or it could set it that, or he could be completely okay with the, the these are the this is the way it's going to be, and it's all going to go to shit 
because these guys can't run things. The Owl and whomever else, Tombstone, can't run the city the way he can run it. And right. uh, Daredevil might have to come out of retirement to do it. But essentially, everybody thinks he's dead. However, there are copycat Daredevils out there doing stuff. So where's that going to go? Every little moment in this in this issue propels the story. And uh, that's what you want to see. This is an awesome act, too. The, the vigilante cop from Chicago, uh, every time you talk about him, it always reminds me of Eric Larson's Savage Dragon. <clears throat> Oh, okay, yeah, right on. He's not a vigilante cop. He's he is a cop assigned to tackling the vigilante known as Daredevil, and now everybody thinks Daredevil is dead. What would you give this? What would you give this issue? Oh, this is like man, this is this is a good seven at least because I'm I want it to be more, but it doesn't. It it's not like emotional to me. It's not. It doesn't take my heart and just go like, oh, my God, you know, there was no moment like that. I get what Matt Murdock is going through, but, I mean, I'm just – I'm those are his problems and they're not mine. And I can't touch on them. I haven't accidentally killed anybody. So there you have it. <laughs> well, I'm going to have to start reading this one, brother. Oh, I'm this so one, sorry. This one sounds good. Yeah. I'm sorry. Um, I want to talk about Conan. Dude, Conan. I want to talk about Conan. Uh, the one of the last issues of Conan. Um, let, me, let me pull up what we got here. One of the last issues of Conan. I think it was. Uh, let's see, we're about to talk about the Savage Sword of Conan, but one of the last issues of Barbarian. Just real quick, it was awesome. Uh, I think we might have mentioned it. I, we talked about this one where he he gets that army of loyal prostitutes yep. to help him. <laughs> so it just continues. Like he's at a bar and Savage Sword of Conan number six, guys. I got to give you the. The rundown before we really get get into it. Oh, beautiful, beautiful covers. The way that they're supposed to be done. Like back in the day, like like Boris Vallejo and um, um, when it comes to Boris Vallejo, he uh, you know always would knock it out of the park when it came to those covers. And they're, they're keeping the the mood going with the, the the covers. Like it's the quality it should be. And again, Savage Sword of Conan number six. Sorry, I got all tongue tied for a second. Um, Meredith Finch is the writer. Luke Ross is the artist. Nolan Woodard is the color artist. BC's Travis Lanham is the letterer. David Finch and Frank Darmada, cover artists. And we've got some variant covers. Conan is drinking. I love when it starts out in that that dank pit of a, of a bar when he's just that lone dude sitting there just stewing alone, wanting to be alone. No one sit by me. And then this uh, little happy glad hands asshole with one of those fucking ridiculous like bowl haircuts and the bangs just comes and sits with them brings them beer they they have some food and the guy is just a little too wordy and happy to be in such a a pit for ne'er-do-well like pirates and scumbags and conan's drinking and realizes oh so too late that his beer has been drugged and he wakes up on basically a slave ship the guy that was talking to him blamed him for the downfall of his father and at the moment, a warrior princess who has been uh, brutally slashing her way across uh, her land and destroying anyone that would ever oppose her, uh, it's time for her to seek a mate. And they can't just have any anyone just marry this warrior princess because she's that bad of a badass. So instead of just having suitors come and hang out and try to woo her, they have a contest of, uh, of champions. 
And as the champions show up from, uh, you know, far and wide to, you know, show their military might and their, their skills on the battlefield in, in, in the, you know, auditorium, they start feeding, you know, random guys to, you know, really get a show going and get murdered. And of course, Conan has to fake the, you know, that he drank the, the rest of the poison they tried to pour in his mouth, but he was able to get it out. And he summons the might during the uh, gladiatorial battle and just, just starts slaughtering everyone, just left and right. Great action shots. Check this one out right here. Check that out. Wow. Yeah, oh, just man. Some, something that belongs on your wall. Excellent color palette, reds, oranges. Um, not too brutal, but like, the, the sword is chopping this asshole in half, but instead of showing the sword and guts pouring out, you see this perfect swatch of blood just going across because the, you know that sword is that fucking sharp. And it's not even his own sword. Mm. And during the battle, as he is winning everything over, uh, the woman who, the, the warrior princess girl, just starts falling in love with him. <laughs> he, he, she... <laughs> She has to have him, and of course the the monks and the priests that are having this battle to find the perfect suitor. That it can't be this piece of trash that was actually supposed to be fodder for these guys, and they try to poison him again. And of course he, you know, he's not having it. He jumps into the booth where the princess is at, and she just gets on his arm and immediately portrays her love, you know, uh, you know portrays her love for him. And he's like, bitch, I'm out of here. Grab some of her jewelry and just books it. <laughs> Grab some of her jewelry and just books it and goes back to that bar where the guy that originally sent him there is drinking, thinking that Conan is dead, which is just so laughable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just, oh, surely Conan's dead. It's like Dr. Evil. It's like, well, aren't you going to Watch it happen. He's like, no, no, no. I'm just going to put him in this uh, slowly moving death machine and close the doors and assume everything went to order. <laughs> and Conan shows up at the bar and throws his booty at the uh, the guy that sent him there. And you just see – and you don't see the guy die. You see – rather than get to – the payoff isn't that you get to see him get murdered. You get to see this, the last thing the man will ever see in his life, <laughs> an angry Conan about to stab him. And then end just perfect one and done. It's got a, it's got a, a they're writing a novella and they, they at four Conan and they're like four or five pages of each uh, of the novellas at the end of each issue of Conan, Savage Sword of Conan, Conan the Barbarian. And, uh, just so much fun. Um, I, I do have to segue into Savage Avengers number three though. Uh, Conan is in the 606 or the 616. Am I, am I fucking that up? The what 616. Yep. The 616. Uh, obviously, he accidentally gets transported to the Savage Land, where an evil wizard is has a giant bowl of warrior blood, and he's collecting random Marvel Universe warriors to they they end up in the Savage Land, and he he starts you know just draining their blood to resurrect a giant ancient demon, which you know why not you know it's coming. Dude, I'm tired of that shit. Like seriously, <laughs> why is everyone always trying to resurrect an ancient demon? If you're already the baddest ass motherfucker on the planet and you're trying to resurrect an ancient demon that you're going to worship or it's going to rule you, like the the plot of Blade, the movie, yeah. I mean, as much as I love that movie, it's just so stupid. Okay, anyway, carry on. <clears throat> well, 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 damn it. I, I don't... Reds are, I, I don't you know, know, I got a giant I drill... Know. 
I don't know what to say. Resurrecting anymore. demons from their sleep forever spells so they can be so they can be resituated. I mean, it's MCP pants, okay? Okay, it's MCP pants. All MCP right, gotcha. MC Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I interviewed him for the daily back in the day. I fucking forgot about that shit. Yeah. Like he was late to call me, and oh. I'm dr I'm driving home and not expecting this guy that he was going to call me back. And I answered, "Hey, this is this is it." <laughs> MC Chris, let's try to talk to Joshua Michael. I'm like, <laughs> like it was one of those things. Is someone ribbing me? Like, is this this guy's actual fucking voice? <laughs> he was really nice. I know Weird Al likes him, and he did that cool Boba Fett rap. Like, oh, yeah. back in the day. Yeah. Now, now you just shit on Savage Avengers, and I really just can't go any further. <laughs> Sorry, just, I shouldn't have done that. Should have let I, you let you have your fun. Oh. No, the guy's right. a magician. He's a warlock or something, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're, 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 it, I had my fun, but it was oh. like it was like that, like that awful. And God, I, I do not advocate anyone watching The Big Bang Theory, but my dad watches it incessantly, and I'll catch one every now and then. Yep. I feel like that episode where the the girlfriend tells him tells him like you know this movie uh, Temple of not Temple of Doom, which is it the which Indiana Jones that. Even if Indiana Jones wasn't in the movie at all, like the same ending would have happened. Like the Nazis still would have got the the, the, the Ark and opened it and still all got melted. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that's a good yeah. point. Yeah, that's what you just did to me, but I still got to give credit where credit's due. The Ark is, <laughs> the Ark is great. It's Gary Duggan, Gary Duggan, uh, Mike Diodato Jr., uh, color like artist, yeah, artist, and color artist Frank Martin, letter of VCs Travis Lanham. Covered by David Finch and Frank Dermata, and it's phenomenal art. Um, uh, Conan gets uh, basically a hole blasted through him, and a random uh, he Conan thinks he accidentally summoned a genie, but they had a venom symbiote in a in a in a jar, and the, he thinks this genie saves it. It just it completely encapsulates him and, and resurrects him. And but uh, it was pretty cool to see Wolverine pretty much helping them finish the spell because they just had him. Like drawn and drawn and quartered around the, the the big giant pot, and they just keep slashing at him, and he just keeps giving them blood. Um, mm. Great evil wizard. Um, Frank shows up. Conan has no idea what's going on, and it's I, I don't know. I enjoyed it, but I'm still gonna enjoy it. God damn it! <laughs> enjoy it. It's fine. All right, it's your turn. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's see. Let's see if there's some way that you can absolutely shoot down. <laughs> <laughs> what I've got. Okay, I've got Star Trek Year 5, number 3. <clears throat> I think this this cover is perfect. It absolutely encapsulates what's going on here. Uh, it's got... Uh, Let's see. It's got McCoy, Spock, and Kirk hanging out on a balcony in front of a celebration, and the people <laughs> down below are... <laughs> they've got... They are worshiping them, yeah, because they are the uh, architects of their society. And um, Bones is absolutely just personally crushed over it. So, okay, there's a lot that happened in this book. Okay, uh, how, before we get into yeah. the full meat and potatoes of this book, how many times is the Prime Directive violated? <laughs> uh, it was violated in a previous, ish, uh, previous Star Trek story, and they are revisiting that. Okay, good. Okay, okay, so there's going to be consequences. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. This is the consequences, and it will carry on into the next issue. So this is Star Trek Year Five, number uh, three, and it is uh, written by Brian. Or, sorry, Brandon Easton, 
uh, artist is Martin Cocholo. Uh, the colorist is Fran Gabona, and the letterer is Neil Yuetake. I'm gonna I'm gonna say. Okay, so they're still carrying around an unfortunate uh, Tholian child that they can't communicate with, and they're trying to figure out what to do with that. They come across, God help me, a um, <clears throat> a phoenix type starship, which I'm going to say is a, uh, it is, when, as depicted on the screen, it is like the phoenix that Zephram Cochran flies in Star Trek First Contact. So it's a warp one starship. Uh, I wish it didn't look identical, but it virtually does. Anyway, so they've arrived at Sigma Iota, which is, there's an episode where the uh, Enterprise crew encounters a race of beings that are, for whatever reason, a Chicago mob-styled civilization. And the craziness is that a Daedalus-class ship from early, early Starfleet crashed there, and they had a book called Chicago Mobs of the 20s. And they took that book and they read it and they patterned their entire civilization after it. So Fuck. it's so ridiculous. <laughs> well, they have arrived at this planet again, more or less by accident, because they were doing an engine test. And um, <laughs> what they have encountered here is McCoy remembers that he accidentally left his communicator on this planet. So now they've been able to ascertain a lot more of Earth's continued history from the 20s until, you know, 2260. Because of the communicator being left Because there? of the communicator. They reverse engineered a lot of stuff. They got into its operating system. They did a lot of craziness with the software. And they're like, okay, so we're going to become a, uh, a republic and we're going to be a, uh, a democratic... Um, uh, hierarchy and there's a separatist movement on the planet that wants to get them into space as quickly as possible because that's what Starfleet is and they worship James Kirk and they worship McCoy and they worship Spock and right. they're like we have to form our own Starfleet obviously so it's kind of this ridiculous bunch of aliens that look like humans but somehow or another they have this really this beyond reasonable mimicking uh, compulsion. And um, I got to say that in and of itself is fascinating and fun and seeing McCoy have a big problem with it is entertaining. Uh, and seeing Kirk just kind of rolling with it because he's actually emotionally crushed right now. So if you remember a couple of issues ago when he was talking to the Tholian and the Tholian couldn't understand him and he was talking about his life on the uh, colony and the governor having to like math methodically and mathematically execute thousands of colonists to save them from the, uh, the, uh, from ultimate, their ultimate demise due to the bacteria and the food supply. He's gone from recalling that, which is very traumatic for him to okay. being okay. Go back. Re think about star Trek two. What okay. do we have in Star Trek 2 but Carol Marcus and his grown-up son, David? We, we see at the beginning of this issue him on subspace talking to Dr. Marcus and seeing his son running around and playing in the background. And Carol is saying, no, you can't have anything to do with this. It is crushing as a single parent to read this, you know, uh, you're obviously – you're honestly telling me I don't have any choice, Carol – She's like, Jim Kirk is many things, 
but uh, he is uh, he's diametrically opposed to emotions, and there is uh, there's nobody in this galaxy that's going to keep you from being part of Starfleet. And she, he says, "You won't allow me into his life, and I'm respecting your wishes." But he tries. He wanted to. He tried so hard at a certain point to realign his entire personal ethos into being a father and she would not let him do it because she knows maybe she's saving him from this, but she knows that he'll never be satisfied and it'll break him as a person. But like, I gotta say, this is one of those unfortunate things that even when you go back to some of the William Shatner written novels about Star Trek that came out in the late nineties and the early two thousands and uh, what was he going to do after he was in Starfleet? He thought, oh, I'll get together with Carol or whatever. And she was like, no, I'm on a Starbase. You're never going to like this. Forget it. Even like people who have written Carol, Marcus, have always done a really good job of trying to find her to be a person that knows Kirk better than he knows himself. And so while Kirk and McCoy are you know, hanging out in a really tepid hostage situation. Uh, it's fascinating to see Kirk say, Carol Marcus is the smartest woman I know, smart enough to know that I couldn't be what she needed. And what's that? A man who knows his value outside of Starfleet. Dude, it just, that hit me. That's the emotion that I'm looking for. You know, you can, you can watch countless hours. That's what hours we're all of, looking for. Yeah, you can watch countless hours of of James Kirk doing things. You can read so many novels and you can read so many comics and play so many video games. But I, yet again, this series is hitting the nail on the head, exploring the deep personal aspects of these characters in a way that the TV series never could. Yeah, you get it. You get it a little bit here and there, but it left so much for you to fill in the gaps. And this is just like, you know... Here are the ingredients, guys. And this is just a really appropriate year five, a year five story. They know they're coming to the end of their voyage. They know what awaits them at the end of it, and they're not going to have the ship anymore, and they're not going to be young, and they're not going to be out there doing it any longer. And every one of these characters so far seems to be committed to exploring who it is that they are, what they've done, and where it's going to lead them. This is just an amazing transition, and I really applaud uh, Easton for being able to perpetuate this story. So you're you're That's happy real- with, with how it's going? Like, is this if this was like actual season five? I mean, would you have been happy with it? Oh yeah, totally. I mean, because you've got a, an A plot and a B plot, and they're not intersecting so much, and it's not corny. There were some really cheesy. Uh, comically uh, cartoony episodes of the original series and this is like taking it into an all new emotional level for me you know yes I'm very happy with this book I'm going to keep paying for it I'm going to keep reading it and uh, uh, it's going to be one that I point people to like somehow or another this is going to be collected in a trade and it's you know oh man you know blah 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 yeah I really always like this about that or whatever and it's like Dude, if you want to read something really good that's Trek related, it's not going to eat your lunch. You know, you don't have to read a whole book. Right. Just get this thing and check it out. This is killer. You know, I dig it. It's really great. Let's go start Star Wars. Okay. Yeah. Star Wars. 
yeah, uh, finally concluding all of this Shoru or Shutorin stuff and the uh, uh, Princess Leia and her kind of revenge ploy against these guys that betrayed her. This has been going on for issues and issues and issues. I'm so well, glad it's over. It was it wasn't yeah. bad. I'm just glad it's over. Yeah, I mean, honestly, the art just still gorgeous. I love this stuff. What do we have here? We got Karen Gillian writing Angel or uh, oh my god. Unzueta. Angel Unzueta? Unzueta is the artist. Guru EFX is the colorist, and that's crushing really good stuff. Uh, VC's Clayton Cowles is the letterer. Um, and this time I'm going to say, as far as the art goes, uh, no, no diss to you, Gerald Perel, the cover artist. The cover art is good. It's just not as good as the interior. It's just, it's just awesome. It's just really good. I love the way these characters are depicted in this. Um, they are trying to find a way to escape the planet that they more or less have, you know, our heroes typically don't want to blow up a whole planet and, you know, make themselves the empire, but right, right. the, uh, the rebel, um, outcasts from Jeddah from Rogue One are like, no, we're going to blow this place up and yeah. it's going to ruin that fleet and they're never going to have this anymore. This I, bitch has it coming. Yeah, you know, and <laughs> uh, I I dig that, you know, you're reading into it and Benthic, the uh, shape-changing alien actor, has kind of a, I'm going out on a high note, rescue yeah, everybody. Yeah, that was, that was my favorite part. Yeah, and then, you know, I'm you know there will be a spoiler about that at the end, but... Uh, I love that Leia goes in and convinces the uh, the rebels not to uh, not to destroy be, the planet and be who they were. yeah be who you really are don't you you know I, it gets to me thinking about those characters they are long suffering and they have had at some point their their story has to come to a conclusion and at least. Karen Gillian did not get to the point where he was like, no, I'm going to eradicate these characters and nobody else gets to play with them. You know, like they get off the planet, they land them somewhere. And Han Solo of all people gets the best moment there saying like, dude, I knew you from way back. And I mean, clearly it's a play on circumstances that took place in the movie solo, but um, uh, he gets into it with the guy and it's not, not a bitchy conversation. It's just like, dude, you don't have to be anything you don't want to be. You know, you, you, you don't have to ride this wave of I am this guy and that's who I am. And it, it that gets to me because I even have been in this situ situation lately. I've moved to a new town and I'm looking at the type of people that are in every gas station and milling around places because they don't have jobs. And it's very right. hard to be living in a home in this town. You have to, Find that threshold and cross it to be not even affluent, but even be in a home, whether you've got transportation, food on the table or air conditioning. You know, it's just this is a rough place and I'm working in a rough part of town and I'm looking at these people and I'm just like. Can they get beyond who they are? Can right. they get a job? You have to have a house to get a job. You have to have a ha job to get a house. You have to have transportation to get you there. You know, it's it's just really, really tough, and it's it's hard scrabble. And they've had a, they've had enough, and Leia got to him and told yeah. him like you can either be become who you hate or 
just end this. We can do this quickly and over and just like, yeah, let's do this. You're right. Let's, 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 let's go for it. I just like Han saying, you know, change goes, goes all kinds of ways. We don't have to be anything we don't want to be anymore. And I felt the same way lately. I, I got here and I was like, this is, is this who I, if I fail, this is what I become. Right. Right. And, but no, not necessarily, you know, because we aren't all as fortunate as I am. And these characters aren't fortunate. You know, I mean, the rebels are the rebel, our rebel heroes, Luke, Leia, Chewie, Han, the droids, they've got each other. Right. They've got each other. You and I have got each other. You know, we've Damn got right. families that look out for us and stuff like that. There are a lot of these people that I'm encountering for a minute. I was like, am I going to be this? Like, no, you know, one way or another, I've got a safety net all the time. I have great people that look out for me. And uh, the only thing that's the only person that's making this harder on myself is me by not asking for help or by trying to do it differently, you know, but at the same time, I'm like, oh, no, this is the kind of work I'm doing. And so I have to listen to Van Halen all the time. (laughs) I have to listen to uh, I have to at least once per day. I'm going to hear Toto's Africa, whether I want to or not. You're you're doing contract work. You got to listen to the contractor music. And at the very least. (laughs) <laughs> I can soften up these circumstances by by uh, yeah. making a joke out of it, but like Def, Def Leppard and uh, Bruce Springsteen's Glory Days. Oh God, I hate Bruce Springsteen and I hate Mellencamp. I don't want to hear that <laughs> crap. I'm so over it. Quit. Oh God, yeah. People have been pouring that wine up my asshole my whole life. That light beer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, granted, I mean, if they're pouring it straight into your asshole, you'll get drunker faster. <laughs> so I hear. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, yeah, no, I just dig that Han, I mean, yeah, Leia had a good moment. It wasn't fleshed out and it was kind of awesome to me that Han had the moment that that really pushes that button. And uh, then Carrie Gillian, this is his last issue on Star Wars. Like you're saying, you know, the multiple page uh, salutary letter from. uh, Oh, God, Walking Dead. What the frack? Why can't I come up with it? So Robert, Robert, Robert Kirkman. Kirkman, thank you. But uh, and then you know, I, I I went back and I read Spidey eight hundred one recently, and uh, even it just feels like I've been reading a lot of goodbye letters lately from comic artists, and it's one of those beautiful things that if they've written Spider Man, if they've written The Walking Dead, they've written Star Wars, they're not going anywhere, not for a while. You know, so saying goodbye is them saying goodbye to us, but you know, we're going to follow them and them saying goodbye. They're really saying goodbye to those characters. Hey, I did a stint on this and it turned into a thing. And for four years, this is what I've been doing. And you're saying goodbye. I love that. I love it. Most of us leave a job and we don't get to have a goodbye. You know, like my career, we've got a rap party and that's only a goodbye in my market until the next show. Because it is a small, thin crew of people we've got here. But you could work in another town, another market in New York, L.A., Atlanta, and never see some of those people again for one reason or another. I don't know. This this book had a lot of a lot of things going on in it, and uh, it made me reevaluate things. And that is kick-ass writing when you get that. Speaking of kick-ass writing, I want to talk about Superman Year One. Way to segue. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Segway master. 
All right, yeah. ride those two wheels into my heart, man. Go. Story, story and art by Frank Miller and John Romita Jr. This one, mm. uh, I find the name uh, misnomer. Uh, you're one. It's actually many years of Superman of Superman's life. I think there is some cooks in the kitchen that always hears, you know, no, no, no. We have to call it Year One because we every time we title something Year One, you know, it sells even better because you know oh, yeah. it's. It's one of those things, but it's about like the first, like, I want to say, like 18 years of Kal El's life. You see a lot of transition periods from learning how to be a child and, and not and ride Jonathan's like shoulders and not hurt his neck and learn how to use his oh, powers. Totally. Uh, obviously, that's going to happen, but the meat and potatoes of this one, it was him taking on some bullies that were like fucking with his, his best friends, were all the nerds, you know? That, yeah. That, little goth kid, all that sort of thing. And he can easily destroy these guys that actually want to kill him and actually attempt to rape Lana Lang. Um, oh. That's actually the only real dark part of this one. Uh, this one, I expected Frank Miller, because it's Frank Miller, to really, you know, to be, gr- you know, gritty, dark Frank Miller. You know, mm-hmm. I was mugged in the, in the Hell Kitchen, and I'm, I'm going to put it in everything I ever do. Everything's going to be dark and gritty. Absolutely not. All I'm going to tell you about this, guys is that it's nice and thick. It's a black label, but it's not the, It's not what you think. It's not something, oh, hardcore and gritty. No, this is where Frank Miller starts describing the senses of Kal-El. When he's a child oh, and yeah. ha- having to deal with hearing everything all at once and then trying to maintain the, the balance of good and evil. And the evil's not in him, but he can easily just go in and just crush it. But Jonathan is, is making damn sure he's not really you know flaunting it and he, he does a little in a football game where he, he the, it's uh smallville is about to lose and clark oh clark out of nowhere and they, they win and and everyone's cheering and you just see you just see uh pa kent just standing in the crowd eyes big like pissed off like damn it oh, boy yeah. told you not to um the the spectrum of light that frank miller was using to write this is nowhere near anything else he's ever written before, used to write before. It's not the it's not the same color palette. It's the type of things that make you feel good inside to be a human instead of reading Superman and like wishing to be Superman and not good enough because you're a human. Like he he completely supersedes that and it makes it great. And guys, I, I, this is one of those ones where I'm not going to tell you too much. Just it definitely this is uh, one of the top ones to read this this month. Um, I'm co- totally compelled, and of course, I love John Romita Jr. I do love his pencils, uh, even going back so far as his Spidey and uh, oh, yeah. his work with uh, J. Michael Straczynski. A lot of people don't know he's he's the original artist for Daz- on on the original Dazzler series. Hmm. I think you've yeah. told me that. I, it's not one of those things that, for whatever reason, stays at the forefront of my personal RAM. Yeah. Also, uh, uh, the. The inks were done by Danny Mickey, uh, superstar in the business. Alex Sinclair did color. Uh, John Workman letterer. John Romita Jr. with Danny Mickey and Alex Sinclair for the cover. And there is a Frank Miller uh, Alex Sinclair variant cover. But the uh, Junior Junior one is my favorite one so far. I am going to touch on X-Men super briefly. And Kenny X-Men number 21. A big giant storyline is about to happen. There's a big storyline going on right now. Uh, with Age of X-Men, they're just trying to rip off that, that momentum they had with Age of Apocalypse, but this is Age of X-Men, and I, I started reading it, and I hated it. But what's going on What's going on in the real 616 right now with Uncanny X-Men, uh, Scott is you know assembling you know, all the, re- the, the remnants of the mutants. Everyone thinks that they're dead, and 
Written by Matthew Rosenberg, Salvador La Roca artist, guru EFX color artist, and VCs Joe Caramanga letterer. And they're killing a lot of people off. Um, for some reason, they're in cahoots with the. This is why I want you guys to read it. Somehow, for some reason, they're in cahoots with Apocalypse at the moment. And also, there's a lot of random people dying in, in the, these things. Things that people you wouldn't think to die, but uh, when they do die, all of a sudden you realize, man, I, I, I kind of like. I kind of liked them, like Banshee, the resurrected Banshee just gets squished like an ant. <laughs> and uh, he's been dead before. I'm sure he'll be they, back. They separate magic uh, from her actual her mutant powers that were actually mm. keeping the demon inside of her at bay. And the full demon comes out, immediately grabs the Juggernaut and rips the Sidorak crystal out of him. He immediately what? turns. He immediately turns tiny again, and his suit just collapses off of him. And the she just crushes the the, the Sidorak gem. Just, what? Just crushes it. Just it's done. Like that is a shock. Oh yeah, that, and they're fun shocks, and it's not like we're trying to shock you for for shock's sake. And when everyone hates the mutants, you know, they, they everyone they, they tried to make the there's another one of those hokey stories where they made a we've got the the mutant vaccine again, and they they figured out a way to supersede it, but then. Um, Black Queen, well Emma, mm-hmm. she's, I guess she's in all black in this, so I just got to call her black. Well, she's the, cool. the the leader of the Hellfire Club. She's got a chip in her head that if she uses her powers, uh, the evil human that's trying to control her is gonna you know just fry her brain and she'll never be super powered again. But uh, I guess Mister Sinister did a kick ass uh, little bit of a lumbotomy there, removed it. She's got you know the she, she basically has my haircut now, except blonde, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and it is a radical scar on the side. And she takes Cerebro and uses it combined with the power of – the, well, the help of uh, Mr. Sinister and erases everyone's mind that mutants ever existed. And then – end scene. Ha. Huh. All right. So it's it's getting fun. Like I haven't had this much fun with X-Men in quite a long time. Um, shit. I think we're done, man. I'm sorry. It's compelling. Honestly, yeah. I'm interested in that storyline. Yeah, I don't have anything else. I don't have any other books right now. I need to read Guardians of the Galaxy number six, all leading up to the well-advertised death of Rocket, Guardians of the Galaxy number seven, <laughs> Cash Grab. Uh, and then Extra Cash Grab Edition. I'm sure there will be a variant cover. Um, man, I don't know. Yeah. It's, there's, I'm, I'm... I'm Honestly, I'm like I like the stuff that I've been reading, but I'm ready to branch out and get into some more indie stuff and uh, try to pull some things in. There's, DC keeps taunting me with something here and there, and then just yeah, you know, I don't know. Not- DC's been I've been really loving everything I've been reading in, in DC lately. Yeah, uh, we, we've talked about it before. You know, Justice League, Dark, Flash, uh, Terrifics, that sort of thing. I mean, hell, this new the Superman is. I mean, it's, it was a fun new thing to do with Superman. You know, they struggle with the fact that. You know, what else are we going to do with Superman, you know? like. I mean, hey, it's like I say, how old does Wolverine have to get before there's nothing left on this earth but pain? And he's like, <laughs> I'm going to go out to space, fuck this place, you know? Yep. I mean, Superman, there's a whole goddamn universe out there. There's all those Green Lanterns. There's probably a lot of other aliens, too. Why does Superman have to be Earth's Superman? Clearly, they've got Batman, they've got The Flash, they've got Wonder Woman. It's all taken care of here. Yep. Only in the Superman movies does there need to be a Superman. 
And then when in that unfortunate uh, reboot they did, or not reboot, that unfortunate uh, Superman Returns, that had its moments, you know, the world without right. Superman. I still, I still like Kevin Spacey. Well, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see if we're allowed to like him. Yeah, I know, right? You're not allowed to like Louis C.K. You're not allowed yeah. to like uh, Bill Cosby. I wish they uh, all those, you know, uh, Bill Cosby is one thing, but like, hey, people make mistakes. It, this, this, this shit not, needs not a, thirty-seven times in a row. Not well, I hate spread yeah. out over a thirty-year career. I'm not talking about Bill Cosby. I mean, <laughs> like, I mean, even Kevin when, Spacey may have made a mistake, or <laughs> no, I, that guy have, probably raped a few people. But that doesn't mean I have to stop liking his movies because I. I gotta have, say, I mean, he delivered a pretty kick-ass performance. Probably, probably the best performance in that movie, uh, Superman Returns. But of course, you know, that's a that's a Brian Singer movie and. Yeah, and then it, you know got, they're you know they they they've got a little thing about the diddle. There's some there's some boy touching there too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> dangerous. They, that if anything's dangerous, that's dangerous. It activates my Corey Feldman sense. <laughs> oh, <man>. Ouch. <laughs> so is it too soon? What is that? <laughs> I, mean, oh, I mean, Feldman. I'm Feldman not. Got, I'm not going there. Feldman's, Feldman, I, I would assume the last time he got molested was probably the mid '80s. So, is it still not soon? <laughs> Dude, for him, it may never sorry, be. Sorry, may, he's, that's nothing sorry. he's ever going to get over. That poor guy. So, sorry, sorry for our minefields uh, listeners that we've just triggered. But uh, if you're listening to us by now, you know I, I get I get in trouble with calling a lot. He just shakes his head at me. You guys, can't I just see. shake my head and I'm like, I'm, I'm going to save what I've got. That's that's tra- that's it's tragic. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's all I got tonight, brother. Yeah, uh, me too. I gotta. All I've got left is to uh, get up tomorrow morning and start working again. I'm excited. I'm glad to yep. be going to work. Got a long ass day tomorrow too, man. This will, uh, guys. Again, thanks for tuning into Minefields. Hopefully, this uh, keeps you going uh, on Wednesday when you're headed to the store to get your new books. And we're going over everything from last week, so you know what you, what you missed, and maybe hopefully something's still there. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't actually know what's coming out this week, so I'm excited to just see what happens and, uh, whatever. <laughs> it'll be, ex- all right. it'll be good. All right. We'll talk to you all later. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Give us some feedback. Yeah. Give us an email list. God damn it. This is dangerous. This is dangerous. Good night. Over and out.